Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop Writer and newly appointed managing editor, Robert. Hello, Aaron. I'm glad you turned up. We've been looking inside every cake in town. I think that was the quote I was going to use for you. Is it really? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Oh, but I couldn't figure out how to work it in. Oh, that was brilliant. That's why uh, I'm glad you take it over to me. It's always a perfect segue right into my silly old quote of the week. Good. good. We write for SifPop.com, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other movies, interesting movie-related articles. So make sure to check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with those. Today's show, we'll talk about a coming attraction, where we'll give our thoughts on what's coming out soon, and then do onto our Sif topic, which is... Uh, some potential goats. We'll be talking about Singing in the Rain and Arsenic and Old Lace, a couple older movies for you this week. We'll also explore the B-plot, answering a question uh, that uh, I tailored for us, and uh, we'll wrap up with a spinoff. A quick recommend or warn from each one of us, but first let's get a chance to know our Robert this week. Uh, Robert. <laughs> Man, it's an exciting time. Uh, the uh, the B-plot, or the not the B-plot, the, the BEC is back up and running again. It sure uh, is. Yeah, and you're, you've got some responsibilities with that now, so Tell us uh, how that's been going. It's been going great. The first one came out today as of recording this. Uh, the first one since we've been back. Yep. And everyone did a great job. It was, it's fun editing those, putting it together. Uh, you and I talked, when we talked about Judas and the Black Messiah, and you called me a writer instead of managing editor, we joked that uh, you're going to be relegated to the honorable mentions. But I will say, I put my feelings aside, and I initially had you ranked at the top. Oh, yeah? BEC, based off of my little algorithm I came up with. But oh. it wasn't in the in God's will because, or the Sith, the Sith, the Sith <laughs> Father's will because he said, no, move it down to three. Oh. <laughs> so, I but yeah, it. it's been going great as managing editor. Everyone's, everyone's a great writer. Um, it's fun working with all, the, all, all these great writers and fun people. Yeah, I, I thought three was a well-deserved position for Little Miss Sunshine. Although, personally, I'd take it over planes, trains, and automobiles, but that's neither here nor there. I'm going to gripe about the BBCs every even when I'm number one. I'm just always, always going to gripe about them. I'm just going to complain about it every week now, you know, even when I'm number one. I mean, I have no, I have no authority to fire you. All I can do is throw you into honorable mentions. So, (laughs) well, not if I keep on picking movies like little miss sunshine, but it's true. It's true. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's get to the actual scripted questions here. Uh, Robert, (laughs) uh, last month you were telling us about, uh, about the La La Land Funko Pops as well as agent K. And I have to know the people have to know, has Laura found agent K yet? Yeah. So this is a very anticlimactic, uh, ending to the story because as I add more Blu-rays to the shelf, the more family pictures and stuff like that has to move. <laughs> so I added more Blu-rays and um, I asked her, have you noticed that stuff has been shrinking and that the Agent K-pop is still there? She's like, oh, I've been, I've known this whole time. I just didn't, I just didn't think there was anywhere else to put it. And I said, Oh great. I thought I, I had you in the dark and I was, it was a whole secret. So 
Oh. It wasn't hidden like I thought, and sorry for the less than exciting ending. Well, she at least she's approve of Agent K being around there. Well, I, I've got her to believe that there's nowhere else to put it, even though there totally is. <laughs> well, I won't tell her that. And she doesn't listen to this podcast. No <laughs> offense. Nice. Well, uh, for the next part of this is that uh, we, we we started up the new segment last week uh, with Alice where we're going to be revisiting movies that we did coming attractions with. And I figured instead of taking up a lot more time later, let's just take up a little bit time now here in this intro uh, with all the coming attractions that we've done. Robert, since you've been on once a month and there's been a couple of months that we've had to do two reviews um, you know, I figured uh, not, not as good as time as any to just get caught up, and then next week we only have to talk about two. But uh, we'll go through the list and just very briefly kind of like where, how accurate our anticipation should have been, um, just kind of seeing that. Um, so for the first week, you were on the pilot, we actually talked about Artemis Fowl, and when we talked about Artemis Fowl, we didn't have the current anticipation level scale. It was, uh, do you think you're going to like this movie, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay? Uh, you said low side of okay, and I said dislike. Have you seen this piece of crap yet? <laughs> no, because I think every time I've been on, I've added the qualification or caveat that this w- would be my ranking, like non-COVID theaters are open, yeah, yeah. and I have my AMC A-list where I go three times a week. Right. So most of the stuff where I said like matinee or streaming or something like that, I just didn't get to it. And Armist Fowl is one that I just didn't see. Yeah. I mean, I called it a piece of crap, but I haven't seen it. Uh, there's no way I'm watching this movie. <laughs> Not yeah. a chance uh, after this point. Uh, what about Unhinged? You said matinee and I said streaming. See, right. That, w- that would have been one that was fun on like a Tuesday night, but I just didn't see it. Yeah. I, I recently bought this because it was on sale for five bucks on Vudu in all qualities. So even in ultra high definition, I have not yet seen it, but it is, I really wanted to before we recorded, but I just don't, didn't have the time this week. So I, I, I have moved up because a lot of people are saying this is some dumb fun and mm-hmm. I'm here for some dumb fun. What about Mulan? You said uh, that was... weekend and I said matinee. Right. That was one like on a normal time. I would have caught it opening weekend before all the negative buzz started coming in. Um, yep. I would have been right there with the wave, but the wave hit me and I said, oh, maybe this is when I should skip. So I haven't seen it. I waited until it was free on Disney Plus and, uh, you know, you could do a lot worse, but yeah, I, so I watched it opening weekend of the free tier of Disney Plus. <laughs> that counts. Uh, so we'll call that matinee. We'll say I stuck true to it. Uh, what about New Mutants? You said Rent and I said matinee. Didn't see it. Okay. I did. I did eventually see this. It was about the time that renting was available, so. Does it tie um, into uh, the X Men stuff at all, like the rest uh, of the X Men stuff? No, right, it doesn't. So like not even in like a it. wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of way. Okay. Um, you know, if if the X Men universe was still going on, I'd say go check it out. But well, it might be. We'll see. Yeah, if they wind up canonizing this movie, then you should check it out. If not, then you're probably okay just skipping it. Uh, the, fir- the first movie that we both said opening weekend for, this was Enola Holmes. Do you ever get around to this one? Yes, I did watch that, I think, the day that it came out. I think it opened like in the middle of the week on Netflix. And my yeah, wife I think and it was watched it. Yeah, we watched it that night. And I, I didn't think it was like great, the best movie I ever see- I ever saw. But I- we both really loved it. We We enjoyed it a lot. I'm pretty sure I also saw this on the first movie that was available. So I'll also stay true there. And I'm, and I'm happy I saw it for, like quickly because I... I don't really get spoiled on stuff because I'm semi-smart when I'm actively trying to avoid spoilers on the internet. But, but you know, I'm for a mystery like that, murder mystery, yeah. you know, I would have hated to see Knives Out knowing what happens. But Right, yeah. 
Uh, what about Come Play? I totally forgot about this movie. I said I'm not interested in seeing it, and you said streaming. Yeah, I was going to say I forgot about it also, and I didn't see it. Perfect. <laughs> uh, and Mank, you said opening weekend, I said matinee. Yeah, um, if this was any other director, it wouldn't have been opening weekend for me, but it, since it was Fincher and since it had so much buzz and all that, I wanted to see it. And I was, it was okay. Like, I recognized the craft and the passion behind it, but it wasn't for me. Even less so than Citizen Kane, I think. I completely agree with every word that you just said. Uh, oh. And, of course, the soul we both said opening weekend. Did you watch yeah, it Christmas Day? I think so. Either the Christmas Day or the day after. Yes. Yeah, I watched it Christmas evening with my family. Wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. This was the opposite of Mank. Like, I, was, I had moderate expectations just because it's pixar but it didn't look super interesting to me but it ended up being my favorite movie of the year and the subject of the upcoming uh on the contrary oh that's fun yeah well what are you gonna pair that with i'll just think about it and i'll give you wild i'll give you wild accusations on twitter (laughs) and for the for the very first time we both said we are not interested in seeing we can be heroes came out on netflix on christmas day i have still managed to avoid seeing this have you no i haven't seen it uh, my wife did actually watch it though because i reminded her that it came out and she's like oh i'm gonna watch that tonight and she did and she's like that was terrible and i'm like yeah <laughs> so i could have told you that uh and last month's the little things i said i would maybe rent this movie you said matinee uh where where do you stand on that um i saw it and i ended up on high side of dislike i don't really know what that means but I didn't like it, but there was some uh, redeemable stuff in there. Yeah, I did not see this one, and uh, but you told you, you. I asked you to spoil it for me, and you did. So yeah. <laughs> I just saw every, not a single review above Letterbox or on Letterbox of anybody I trust is two and a half or or higher. Or, they're all two and a half or lower. So I just yeah, that's not a movie I want to see, especially <laughs> when there's like seven reviews. <laughs> Right. The only case I would do that is if it's like an actor or a director in it that I am trying to see everything that they do, even if sure. everyone says. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that was the case for Rocky Five. I mean, it wasn't really the director thing, but it was, right, I was that, going through the yeah. Rocky franchise. And, or if it's one of those like you know it's going to get small reviews, but you still kind of want to love it anyway. Like mm-hmm. uh, I don't know some of those some of those dumb comedies. Like speaking of the road trip things, like maybe Road Trip would be in that category. Where yeah. like it's not a great movie, but I kind of love it. <laughs> Yeah, we mentioned we've mentioned yesterday a few times. I think that's one of those for me. Like oh yeah, the, yeah, the Beatles one. Point. Cool. Well, we're all caught up. We'll be doing this at the end of the coming attraction segment from now on each month. Uh, just a like a real quick like, hey, you said you were going to go see this, did you? You know, just to kind of see how how things affect things, and just to kind of show the stark contrast of of trailers. But you know, COVID is such uh, a weird time. Uh, and before we move to the new coming attractions, I have a random question for you. And that is, uh, Robert, what is a food that you have never eaten that you really want to? Uh, nothing, because I'm the least adventurous eater that you will ever come across. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think, oh, that looks good. I want to try it. Um, I think I want to stick to the same five things every single night. So, <laughs> sorry, I have bad answers for so many questions today. <laughs> Oh, it's all right. I mean, easy answer for me is 90% of the things I've seen on like Chopped or um, Chef Show or even Binging with Babish. That would be it. There's a, there's one recipe that I've tried to make a couple of times that I haven't like every time, all three times I've made it, there's been a problem with it. Uh, but it's a bacon wrapped uh, Philly cheesesteak meatloaf. So, so you essentially like flatten a bunch of ground beef. 
and then you put your provolone and your sauteed peppers and onions in the middle of that, and then you roll it, and then you roll that in a bacon, uh, in bacon, and then you oven bake it. And the first time I ever made it, it was raw on the inside, but co- completely cooked on the outside. The second time I ever made it, something else was wrong with it. And the third time I ever made it, the top was fine, but the bottom was not cooked at all. And so I have not figured out how to cook this thing, but uh, that would be one that I wish. As far as things that like I wouldn't make, but I would like to try, it would be haggis. I was in Scotland and really wanted to try it, but, uh, but you just didn't. Well, we didn't really have an opportunity. Usually, our meals were provided, or you know, we had we already had like plans, and a little upsetting. It's, like I, I understand hag. My understanding of haggis is a food that if you don't know what's in it, you're fine. But it's just one of those, like once you find out that it's mm. essentially a bunch of stuff shoved into a sheep's stomach, all of a sudden you don't want to eat it anymore. And like, if, you know, if people still eat it, if, still, if people still love it, I'm still willing to give it a try knowing that it's in a sheep's stomach. Or maybe sheep's you know, lung. Sheep's lung, I think. That reminds me of the movie Crash, directed by Paul Haggis, where on its surface, it it's okay. But when you start to think about it, it's it's revolting. <laughs> That Philly cheesesteak thing you were just talking about reminded me of the meat tornado from Parks and Rec. Um, <laughs> they just wrap a bunch of meat together and bacon, and yeah. Ron says, "You had me at meat tornado." So. You had me at meat tornado. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if any of these movies had us at meat tornado. Uh, we're <laughs> talking about coming. <laughs> I had to transition it somehow. Don't 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 judge me. Excellent segue. <laughs> a plus plus. <laughs> severe lack of meat tornado in either of these movies that we'll be talking about by the way but we were talking about at least coming in the trailers at least in the trailers that's right we'll be talking about coming to america the sequel to the 1980s something eddie murphy classic uh and U- the united states versus billy holiday this is a youtube original coming or not a youtube hulu original Ooh. coming to hulu on february 26th i believe uh, coming to america coming to prime video on march 5th by the way um, I think theatrical for Coming to America as well. I could be wrong about that. Either way, let's start off with uh, Coming to America. The synopsis for this movie is the African monarch Akim learns he has a long-lost son in the U.S. and must return to America to meet this unexpected heir and build relationship with his son. Robert, have you seen the first Coming to America? No, and I told you that I was planning to before this episode, and I, you know, I got busy, and I yeah. didn't watch it, and... It's another. It's going to be another underwhelming segment of Pop Writers Room episode. <laughs> well, what do you think? I have nothing to say about either of these, really. I'm going to reserve my answer to that question until after. I want to know kind of what is your anticipation level of this movie? No COVID in the world, and let's say this is a theatrical release. Uh, and you know, take your AMC Stubbs card out of the equation. Uh, if you yeah. have to pay out of out of pocket, um, you know, oh, would you try to get there opening weekend? Wait for a matinee. Wait till you can rent it at home. Wait till it's on streaming service you already pay for. Or are you just not interested in seeing this movie? Uh, I'd probably say streaming for this. Yeah, because I haven't seen the first one, and the trailer doesn't grab me in the sense like, man, I got to go watch the first one now. That's exactly my reaction. I'm with streaming as well. Um, I have not seen the original Coming to America, but um, there there's a little bit of a of a difference. Nothing. This didn't grab me enough. I still do think I want to go see the original, and I probably will check this out because it's coming straight to Prime Video. I don't know that mm-hmm. I'll check it out like immediately, but since both these movies are going to be on Prime, I'm probably just going to probably check out the first one and give the second one a shot at some point if I feel like it. <laughs> um, right. But this is a very different reaction to Amazon's Prime most recent sequel with a Borat subsequent movie film because yeah. I was talking with Ben on that episode and it had been like 
since Borat came out that I saw it, and I remember not liking it at the time. But I loved that trailer so much. I'm like, I gotta go watch, watch Borat, and I'm gonna be here for Borat's subsequent movie film on day one. And you know what? I had a great time with both of them. Mm-hmm. And I just, nothing about this trailer really makes me want to see the first one again. Yeah, and I'm sad that none of our uh, Sif Pop writers wrote about Borat for Best Road Trip Movies. But um, I thought yeah. about it. I figured you would take it. Well, I'm, I'm not claiming stuff as the managing editor. I'm letting uh, letting the writers do the work. I just um, th- I just figured you were going to wait until everybody's already got their pick in, and then you would write one. Yeah, Ben and I talked about it. He recommended not doing that, and that's uh, fine because he doesn't really write for them either. Should have anyway, told me nobody was taking Borat. I would have taken it. <laughs> next time, if if there's a situation like that, I'll be like, "Yo, you know what? From now on, I'm going to write about Borat in a subsequent movie film for every possible category." <laughs> Perfect, and then I'll rank it at the top. Even if Aaron, <laughs> even if Dicer says to move it down to honorable mentions or nine or whatever, I'd be like, I'm, I've, I've editing power on the WordPress. <laughs> nice. Unless it's over Lord of the Rings or Inception, Borat subsequent movie film always going number one. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, coming to America too. I saw this trailer before we started recording, and I chuckled a few times. I thought it looked funny enough, but again, I will, yeah, I'll agree with everything you said. It's the same director as. Um, Dolomite is my name from last year, two okay. years ago. So it looks like he and Eddie Murphy have a little thing going. Probably. Eddie Murphy's mini comeback here. <laughs> it, it looks good enough. I'll watch Coming to America eventually. But yeah, I, I'm sorry to all the listeners. I don't have a lot to say about this. No, I, yeah, I mean, I think I only have a couple things to say about this. And that's is primarily, I mean, I haven't seen Dolomite is my name. So I mm. can't attest to, to that. I've heard great things. Um, yeah, it's good. I think probably half the time at the jokes in the trailer, I laughed and half the time at the jokes, like I thought this is terrible Um, Mm -hmm. with the Leslie Jones character. I don't think I laughed any times. There's a moment where the, uh, where he walks in, he's like, they're like, we don't want any, you know, reparations or whatever. And then a suitcase full of money opens up and then they like have a complete 180, like unpacking my bags and going. It's like, this is just not funny. Right. Nothing about it is original or inspired. uh, But there's a, there's a, couple jokes there i think that made me laugh especially there's a joke towards the end that i remember really kind of really got me um it was the <laughs> it was a joke where uh they're teaching him uh how to talk to to women and leslie jones walks in and uh, and he says something like uh they, they tell him to say ho somehow and he says it's like it's like, oh no no don't say that to her don't say that to the mom it's like oh don't say that and like i, I thought that was kind of kind of funny um yeah primarily because of eddie murphy and uh gosh i'm totally blanking on his name but the other arsenio yeah arsenio hall and uh God, who's the who's the third person in that in that shot oh i don't know um, I th- we might have watched diff- different trailers probably anyway but like that that made me um that made me laugh uh quite a bit uh but then they end the trailer on a circumcision joke that to me was just not funny at all how many of those uh, are there anyway no never mind <laughs> i don't want to go down that path <laughs> Uh, for every good joke, there was one that made me like completely straight faced, like not interested at all in it. Um, and like the t- there is some good talent here, but I mean, and as amazing as a comedian Eddie Murphy is, I mean, for every Eddie Murphy good movie, you know, for every you know Doctor Doolittle, there's a Doctor Doolittle too. <laughs> mm-hmm. For every Beverly Hills Cop, there's a Norbit, and for every you know, what I assume is a coming to America. There's a, I was going to say daddy daycare, but I probably would hate that movie, but I loved it as a kid. Daddy daycare is fun. Yeah. 
I see James Earl Jones in here and uh, Wesley hey, my, Snipes. My friend. I met James yeah. Earl Jones. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, and uh, Wesley Snipes. We mentioned Leslie Jones. Tracy Morgan. That's the person I was thinking of. Oh. Tracy Morgan. He's Tracy. a he's a pretty funny guy. I love Tracy Morgan. Yeah, Mostly because like of Thirty Rock. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I so I think there's enough talent here, but I, I'm just not interested in this. And again, it's very it's very stark difference from Borat too, where it was like, now I got to see the first one, and I got to got to see this one as soon as it comes out. I'm like, I kind of will watch them both at some point, probably, right. maybe not. <laughs> I don't super care, but I definitely wouldn't pay to see this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I don't really have a lot to say, but I I feel the same way as you. It seems like it's more for people who are fans of the original and maybe Eddie Murphy wanted to get back together with his friends. And I don't know, maybe I'm just making stuff up. I don't know anything about coming to American movies. So it's probably best to move on and ignore my ignorance. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's, let's do that then. There we go. We both landed on streaming for that. And then it comes U.S. versus Billy Holiday. Uh, the United States versus Billy Holiday is the full title for this. Uh, the United States versus Billy Holiday, Dawn of Justice. Um, <laughs> this is coming out February twenty. <laughs> this is coming out February twenty sixth on Hulu. Uh, it says on the theater or the poster it's supposed to be theaters as well. Uh, I know sometimes with bigger releases, you know, Netflix or Hulu will do that. My guess is this will be a pretty limited release. Synopsis for this one is this follows a holiday during her career as she is targeted by the FB, uh, Federal Bureau of Narcotics with an undercover sting operation led by black federal agent Jimmy Fletcher with whom she had a tumultuous affair. Robert, uh, what do you think about this one? Same ca- same scale, same everything. Uh, yeah, it's probably the same rating, ranking, whatever we call it as the last okay. one um, as Coming to America. Yeah, this is one that looks like it's important, um, and I'm sure it is, and I'm sure it has a lot of good good stuff to say. But with movies based on true stories, uh, you have to kind of grab me or make it about something that I already know about and I'm interested in. So, like Judas and the Black Messiah is a great example. Like I had no, we talked about how I had no idea about that, but the trailer grabbed me right away, um, yeah. and the cast grabbed me right away. But this doesn't really have anything other than. Uh, subject matter to do that for me sure uh, i'm gonna go a little higher than you for this i think i'm gonna go with a matinee yeah like not an enthusiastic matinee but a matinee uh and it's it's largely due to the importance of this movie Th- there's nothing about this movie that necessarily like blows me out of the water kind of like how you know after i saw the judas and the black messiah trailer and you know you see the cast that's involved with it and you're just like i, I put this in my veins right now like yeah you know, why do I have to wait another month to see this movie? Like, I would go right now if it was playing. Like, it's you know not really one of those. Uh, nothing, nothing grabbed me in that way. But, but I think I think this is yeah going to be an important story. And for important stories, I'm almost always going to be I I want to go experience this, especially timely stories. But there's just nothing that's like, hey, you you really got to clear your schedule Friday night, right? Or like you know make sure you go to like uh, go to that thing, but then go to that late showing. <laughs> You know, this feels like it could wait a week or two. So, and like, since this is a Hulu release, like, this is definitely one that would go on my list, but I don't know, you know, I, I don't know that I would necessarily force myself to get around to it uh, pretty quickly. I don't know how serious of awards contender this one's going to try to be. And honestly, I, I think it's going to be a relatively stacked ca- uh, category in all the ones that I think they're going to try to go for. You know, if they're trying to go for best actress, that's a pretty stacked category this year uh, it is i mean it is a lot of years but you know if they're going to try to go for best song like I'm, I'm just sorry but nothing is beating speak now from one night in miami it's just not happening 
if if they're going to go for adapted screenplay, like this doesn't see nothing about the trailer made me seem like that was going to be this. I mean, maybe director, maybe they'll try to go for director. This is Lee Daniels. It got two uh, Golden Globe nominations, mm. best song and best actress in a drama. It's got the guy from Bird Box, or yes, the guy from Bird Box, but the guy from Moonlight. I also saw on his credits Bird Box, but I meant to say Moonlight. Well, and this was not nominated for anything at the CCAs, I don't believe. At least it doesn't show up on IMDb. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. And everyone knows we got to uh, take looks Golden like Globes incredibly seriously. Like, <laughs> yeah, looks like Critics' Choice has nominated Andra Day for Actress. Yeah, not Director. Anyway, I just I, I don't want to look too much into what it's nominated for awards. Sometimes that leads into expectations in an unfair unfair way. If yeah. you know, if, if a movie's nominated for Best Picture, you know, you're going to want to lean into it and be like, Hold on, but this is nominated for Best Picture. This has to be good, right? Uh, I'm watching Nomadland after we finish recording, and that's nominated for everything, and it's exactly my kind of movie, so I'm scared that exact thing is going to happen. Right. There's no way that Nomadland or Minari are going to live up to the hype that everything has already given it, right? I feel like Nomadland could, for me. Maybe Minari could. I don't know. I'll be watching Nomadland did. this weekend at some point, but... Well, Parasite did, but Parasite was also released where lots of people had a chance to see it before it was nominated. Just the majority of the audience didn't get around to it until after nominations and after definitely after it won everything. Well, I've seen lots of people talking about Minari. I'm excited anyway. for that one. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited because uh, Hulu sending me a screener for Hulu has sent me a screener for this one. I'll be talking about it with Chance All. Um, that'll be a good conversation. I have not seen it. I will definitely be getting around to this movie this weekend. Um, that way we can talk about it and have an, uh, an episode come out on the 26th, giving you our, our in-depth thoughts. And uh, yeah, I, I just, I'll be excited about this and I'll be anticipating seeing it, but I don't think this is going to knock my socks off. I don't think this is going to floor me. Don't know that this movie will make me cry. I don't know uh, that this movie will do many of the things that I want it to do, but I think this is an important story that needs to be told. And for that reason, I, Maybe it's maybe it's the age that I'm at in my life. Maybe it's the era that we're at in politics and and just life and whatnot. But like, I'm just all I'm just entirely here for whatever important stories need to be told. It, maybe it's because I'm a story centric person. Maybe it's because the thing that I love most about movies is is stories, and I guess I think that stories are the way that we connect to one another. And so may, maybe it's just that that I I'm here for a good story. I'm here for an important story. I'm here for a timely story and. I'll I'll eat up all the ones I can. Yeah, I'll I'll probably watch it at some point. If it gets crazy buzz from people other than the Hollywood Foreign Press, then <laughs> then maybe I'll 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 put it higher up on my list. Cool. Well, uh, I think we've said about as much as we can on both these movies. So let's move on to the SIF topic. We'll be talking about uh, arsenic and old lace and singing in the rain. Uh, Robert, which one do you want to start with? Do you want to go by my normal arbitrary way of saying I have arsenic and old lace first in my notes? Sure. That sounds like a good arbitrary way to do this. Uh, <laughs> it's also the order that I watch these movies. Same. So, uh, Arsenic and Old Lace, this is a 1944 film streaming on the Criterion channel, but it looks like it's leaving soon, so it might be somewhere else uh, next month. Um, or it might be nowhere. Either way. Synopsis for this movie is a writer of books on the futility of marriage risks his reputation when he decides to get married. Things get even more complicated when he learns on his wedding day that his beloved maiden aunts are habitual murderers. This has a, a couple reasons why this might be considered a go. This is has an 8.0 on IMDb, which anything with an 8.0 or higher on IMDb is pretty impressive. 
Uh, this is before Metacritic was a thing, and it says an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes, critics aggregate. This is based off of a 1941 play by Joseph Kesserling. Uh, and this was even interesting because this movie was filmed before 1943, 1944. This movie was filmed relatively quickly into the play. And the con- but the contract with the producer stipulated that the film couldn't release until after the play was off Broadway. Like I even saw that the Brewster sisters and Teddy Brewster in the film were the same actors from the play, so they gave them eight weeks off of the play to go film the movie. Yeah. But it couldn't release until after it was off Broadway. Um, and the lead role, which went to Cary Grant, uh, eventually went to or was intended for Bob Hope, and I just I think that's fun. And uh, the only like accolade that this really has is that this is listed on afi's 100 years 100 laughs number 30 so i know this doesn't have like a huge legacy behind it but i feel like this is a movie that when you ask people like the best uh stage to film adaptations a lot of people include this in their list this is this is maybe a sneaky goat because it doesn't have a ton of accolades but i i do think there are people that would consider this worth being in the conversation robert what's your history with this movie or why were you excited to watch it uh, I don't think I had ever heard of it until you recommended it for this podcast. Then I saw the name Cary Grant, and that's basically, I was like, all right, I'm in. And that's my whole lead up to the movie, where up until I watched it, you sent me the Movies Anywhere share thing. And I didn't even know the synopsis for it until I opened <laughs> up that link. So I was just like, we're watching this movie for the podcast, and I'll... So that's my whole thing. I And as usual, I'm always down to watch anything that has a good reputation. Sure. I honestly maybe had heard of this movie once or twice before, you know, a year ago. But with the release of Hamilton, it seemed like everybody was talking about what are the best stage to film adaptations. And it just seemed like this one kept on popping up on my on my list and uh, on several of the podcasts that I listen to. Lots of people are talking about just how good of a movie this is. And I was like, okay, like that that's enough for me. And uh, you know, for me, for, for goats, again, 8.0 on IMDb, like maybe this just isn't talked about enough. You know, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if we can like sneakily get like one of the best movies of all time that has like a, not even on IMDb's top 250. I think that would be fun. Yeah. And we collectively decide on a number one, <laughs> but uh, I was, I was excited just cause Mary, Cary Grant. And uh, I did watch the trailer before I watched the movie because I was trying to convince my wife to watch it with me. As soon as I saw the trailer, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for it. But I'd been excited for probably six months to watch this one. So nice. I was watching on my own. My wife walked in and apparently my brother-in-law played the lead in a school play in like high school or something. So nice. basically I am related to the equivalent of Cary Grant. <laughs> if you want to say. Yeah. And you're also close friends with James Earl Jones because you encountered <laughs> him one time on the street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well... Robert, did you like this movie, love it, hate it, dislike it? I think it's just okay. I'm going to say love it. I'm going to say firmly okay. in, into love it. I had a lot of fun. I had so much more fun than I was expecting. Good. Like about five minutes in, I opened up the IMDb and I was like, this has to be listed as a comedy. And there it was, yeah. comedy number one. It was, yeah, it was great. I am on the very high side of like it. When this movie shut off, I think I was on the low side of liked it. But it's kind of like Doctor Strange Love. I just, I'm liking it the more I'm thinking of it. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie even did a really interesting thing where, like, I really want to go back and watch His Girl Friday again because I think I might have a better appreciation for that movie. The more farther distance I get from that movie, the more I want to go back and just revisit that one. Just because Cary Grant is so spectacular in this. But um, yeah, I just, I don't think I'm in love it. Um, but I, I may be on that border of of like it and love it. This is our second Cary Grant marriage movie and our yep. second dead guy in a chest movie. 
That's true. I was <laughs> I was thinking about the dead guy in a chest one. <laughs> I'm glad that you loved it. I, I really am. Uh, tell me some of the things you loved about it. Well, are you ready for me to drop a bomb on you? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Ryan Gosling and the Nice Guys is the modern day Cary Grant in our signal loop. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> oh, it's so true. That's a great. That's a great observation. Like I sat there thinking, I want them to remake this or like adapt the play again. And, and it's it's the nice guys. Yeah, just have Ryan Gosling be um, uh, Mortimer. So so let's make it a nice guys prequel. Oh yeah, the the woman that he's in, like his his fiance, his wife yeah, is is the wife. the wife. That's the wife that winds up leaving him. Yeah, yeah. Let's make a nice guys no, prequel. Guys. <laughs> I mean, she leaves them on earth <laughs> okay <laughs> let's so let's make a nice guy let's pitch a nice guy's prequel uh to shane black where ryan gosling's character is the carrie grant character from arsenic and old lace i'm totally here for that <laughs> yes no and, but that like, was... and like this is the perfect movie that i want shane black to write yeah yeah that's that was the first thing that really stood out to me was just like i've seen carrie grant in a handful of things but this is like the most manic and most fun that i've seen him and i don't know i just i really loved his performance like there's a couple times that he does like the gym on the office and looks at the camera um (laughs) he's like running around just doing bulging eyes all the time man this movie was just so much fun i a lot of it has to do with cary grant and i think the worst parts like there's a section when he goes like to the police station or something yes and that's the only time like i didn't give this a five star i gave it four and a half because there's like it got a little bit more slow when he's not in it, but as soon as he comes back and then like the whole third act, it's all just great. Yeah, um, yeah, this would really surprise me this Cary Grant because uh, I mean I'd seen him in North by Northwest first, and he's not comedic at all in that movie, and then in His Girl Friday, which he's comedic in that role, but it's a very different kind of comedic. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's not playing you know slapstick comedy where he totally is in this movie, and it was just really surprised uh if part of the reason you know seeing the trailer and seeing him in kind of this role i'm like oh like this looks like a lot of fun mm-hmm. um yeah he, he's a legend and uh he he is a goat for sure and this is uh this is just a delight to watch him in yeah it's, and as far as your notes um i completely agree the, the my main negative for this movie is the stretch of movie that he's not in it because it, it seems like whenever he's gone the movie sort of loses its tone of that kind yeah, of yeah. over the top silliness and mm-hmm. like it's it, it's trying to set up something so he can come back later and there will be so much more happen and they can just cause more chaos and confusion at the end which was just a jumbled mess that i absolutely loved as com- comedy plays tend to do mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's just it just felt like i don't know like that same energy wasn't carried through especially when you know the quote-unquote villain of the movie is that like stands really tall and Frankenstein yeah is is just doesn't move around a lot is is very like slow and menacing in that way the the the, the ants have a little pep in their step but like <laughs> there's, there's nothing to match what Cary Grant's doing in the beginning the closest you get is maybe the rookie police officer and that's still a pretty pretty far stretch or Theodore Roosevelt <laughs> yeah. well, he, well he's not even in that movie for a lot of that segment that's true let me tell you about this ride that I went on tonally because like I said, I wasn't, ex- <laughs> I was expecting like 
a typical movie from that era, like uh-huh. Philadelphia Story or um, His Girl Friday. You know, like I was expecting that sort of tone, but then it started off with like that that opening text that was kind of silly, like almost Holy Grailish silly, and then there's yeah. like the baseball fight breaks out all of a sudden. I was like, all right, what's going on here? I'm, I, I'm into it, but I it's weird. <laughs> And then it's yeah, like, that and was then so weird. The text says like anything can happen, and it usually does. At this time, this was happening, and then, and then it like it says now you're on your own. I was like, what is this tone? And then the whole thing at the court where they're getting married. I was like, oh, this has definitely got to be a comedy. And then once his brother shows up, the music gets all like daunting, and I was like, is this supposed to be a horror now? Like, and it didn't balance. <laughs> I know this is a, an out there comparison, but like Get Out balances horror and comedy really well. Sure. Um, but it does both at the same time. This one just like turns one off and turns the other on. And yeah, that, yeah does that. Yeah, I agree uh, completely. Cause you know, it's even the answer involved in a lot of that chunk of the movie and they're not adding a comedic element to it. They're only adding like they're frightened um, so yeah, definitely just turns off comedy and turns on horror for a hot second. And then mm-hmm. when, as soon as Cary Grant shows back up, flip it again. <laughs> Cause all of a sudden, you know, he's not menacing and mean anymore. <laughs> like, right. You know, you know, cause even when they have him tied up in the chair, like it's done in a funny way. And then like, nobody, nobody looks like, Oh, he's all tied up. I should probably go free him. Like, <laughs> which, That's, I was you know, like, take the gag out of his mouth. <laughs> right. And I get, you know, it's the, po- it's the point is just to, yeah, you know, no, no, outlandish, no. ridiculous characters. But it's, yeah, it's just like who won't stop pitching his play. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm gonna make you listen. And then the the police captain walks in. It's still anyway. I have a whole list of lines I'm gonna read off at the end of our discussion. Okay, I don't have any lines, but I have I have a couple of moments that I think just just absolutely slay me. And so the the stairs as Sandwald Hill is the funniest thing in this movie by far. Yeah. Because <laughs> he initially just charge and runs up the stairs. And I was like, oh, he, th- he thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt. And he thinks that the stairs are San Juan Hill. It's like, okay. But then it's <laughs> it's doubly funny when at the end of the movie, Cary Grant <laughs> grabs the sword. He's like, charge! And he runs up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then and then it's triply funny when Witherspoon, the, the police chief, or the Witherspoon was the asylum guy, when he like is going to walk up the stairs, he looks at Cary Grant. He's like, don't do it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's quadruply funny at the end when he runs over to his wife's house and they go, Char! like, I just, yeah. I love how that joke built to something, but it, it was funny every single time it did it, but you take a same joke and you put it in a different context and it's, it's, it's just a delight. And it made me laugh every single time. The whole <laughs> the thing other- of him being Teddy Roosevelt was <laughs> random, but hilarious. Like, they need to tell him to, what the documents he's signing are. It's like it's very president or very important presidential documents. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, so <laughs> that's that's the other thing about this is, gosh, it's really hard to say this because Cary Grant's so excellent in this, but he's not my favorite part of the movie. It's for mm. sure the Teddy Roosevelt character. He's the standout. Yeah. He's the person that I like. No, no, show me more of that guy. <laughs> right. Um, because, or like any interactions around him, he's just perfect in this role. And the very first thing that he does, it, it's um, Cary Grant's wife's father sitting in the room, and he sneezes while Teddy Roosevelt <laughs> was playing the piano. He goes, "Oh, I must be catching a cold." And it's like, "No, it was him that sneezed." He's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like, 
he doesn't realize he's not the one who sneezed. <laughs> yeah. The the other the other really fun uh, running joke that I have in this movie is anytime that somebody looks at them really weird because they ask to do something really weird with Teddy the Teddy character, they're like, he's the president. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. It just excuses any ridiculous thing they ask to do. Like, go pack his bags. He's the president. <laughs> oh. Uh, what are some of the lines that you had written down? Well, uh, before we get to that, I want to um, talk about the, I hate the word content, but like the content of the movie, because this has a very similar message. This might, I was trying to find a way to make this another, um, on the contrary to hereditary, but it's actually the same message as hereditary, (laughs) which is that like craziness is passed down in the family because it goes from the aunts to the brother to (laughs) Teddy Roosevelt. But then at the end, Cary Grant finds out that he was adopted and he's free of any potential craziness and shackles. And he's free to be with his wife, who he thought he needed to, you know, keep safe. You know, the typical superhero. I can't be with you to keep you safe. You know, I like that message. It's it's interesting. I don't know if I like it. It's interesting to think about, at least. Like, it's um, interesting to think about, but I don't I don't like it. Right. Um, Right. I get that insanity can be hereditary. Mental illness is can be can be hereditary things like that but we we had no indication that Cary Grant thought he was crazy until he shows up at the house and even then he's the only rational person for the first half of this movie he really doesn't become crazy until he comes back right but once all this stuff starts happening that's when he starts thinking like might I be crazy just like everyone else in my family yeah um, yeah so I no, but I appreciated that I appreciated the the ideas that it was uh, exploring at least um, a sure. couple other ideas I liked were Christian ideas, um, where the aunts, the aunts, aunts are Christians, um, but in name only. You know, yeah. they think they're doing all this stuff. They think they're helping the people who they're poisoning and all that. But then at the same time, they don't want to open their house to Johnny when he gets there. You know, the very basic: someone needs a place to stay. Obviously, it turns out he's a murderer as well. But it's <laughs> it's the principle of it. So I like that. And then obviously the the send up of fiction in general or theater and movies where he's, he's explaining what would have happened in the play while that exact thing is happening to him where the whole time he would be sneaking up behind me and I wouldn't even know. And then that's yeah. exactly what's happening. You know, it does really well of balancing three different themes or three different ideas and not like getting like paying too much attention to one and forgetting about the others. It balances them really, really well. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, and I I also appreciate how this movie just kind of gets into the action really quick. I mean, the whole intro sequence, we know that he's reluctantly applying for a marriage license, but he's clearly in love with this girl. And then, you know, they eventually just decide to get married really quickly. And, like, he shows up at his aunt's house. All that happens in, like, five minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, it gets right into it. But then you have to set up, all right, so he thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt. These aunts are really sweet ladies for now the there's a there's a new police guy on the block it seems like the movie really like gets into it quick but then it just immediately slows down and then it just ramps back up again when the brother shows up and interacts with the ants then it's just like okay all of a sudden we're back to like things happening quick again so and i i I feel like that stretch could have been a little shorter or or maybe a little bit not everything needed to be included Mm-hmm. yeah i agree because like i said it was four and a half and not a five for me and the half star is off just because it lost me a little bit here and there just because of the pacing yeah i think i, I think i gave this a four solid yeah. four 
Uh, let's see. Uh, there's also <laughs> there's also a joke that just absolutely slayed me, but it's a joke that they can't take Teddy to the host- to the insane asylum because there's already several Teddy Roosevelts, and that would be conflicting. <laughs> They're like, oh, maybe if you can convince him to be uh, something else. Like, nope, he's Teddy Roosevelt. Like, Napoleon. He's like, we need a Napoleon. Can you make him Napoleon? Like, no, he's Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the jokes per minute in this thing is like off the charts. The 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 only other joke that I have written down for some reason is just the uh, there's a joke about the dead guy's hat because Cary Grant like grabs it as he's walking out the door and then the mm-hmm. ants are like oh 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 and he's like what and, and he looks at the guys like, oh 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 like he makes the same noise back at them. <laughs> <laughs> that that's just Cary Grant being perfect. See, I'm I looked it up. I, this is not on Blu-ray. I couldn't find it. I'm really upset about that because. This is one that I would buy, and this certainly has a high rewatchability factor yeah. slash show it to people factor. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I was upset about that. Not like upset, but disappointed about that. Do you uh, want me to go through a few of my lines, or do you have a couple more? No, I'm just thinking, kind of taking it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, not to not to sound like rabbit trails and all that, but no. so one of the, one of the people that were talking about this movie and their love for it was Jeremy from Cinemasins, oh, which okay. is. Which is weird because he's talking about because he was talking about how he used to watch it a bunch as a kid, but he's also been pretty open about how he has he had a very conservative household and he wasn't allowed to watch much. And it's like this is some dark stuff in this movie. <laughs> yes, like, you know, and like I don't agree with, but I and don't really understand the can't watch Harry Potter because witchcraft, mm-hmm. like. It's clearly a fantasy world, but like right. these people are murdering people. Like there's. Let's see. There's 13 bodies in the basement by the end. Yep. And there's mental insanity and like. And mention of 13 other murders. For, and mention of 13 other murders. But you like, can only count 12 of them. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but and no, you yeah, have, you're right. You have plastic surgery being done to to change it. Like, look, this is rated PG, but I wouldn't show this to a kid. Uh, and there's like adult themes too. Like yeah. beyond the like we were talking about, but beyond the straight. The literal stuff of insanity and murder and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm kind of surprised that this is. I mean, honestly, even like back in the, I mean, this is 1944. Like, I'm even surprised this got such a moderate rating. It might be. Or maybe this of, is not rated. Well, the the rating is probably different. Um, the rating system. I don't know when the well, current stuff started. If it was before the MPAA, so not rated. Okay, so this would have gotten a rating by the Catholic Legion of Decency, probably then. So it's not rated PG. It's just not rated because this is before the NPA. Uh, right. Anyway, there's some. I guess then content warning. There's some dark stuff here. Yeah, but it's dark stuff. But it's almost a a light dark comedy. You know, it is. It is because the tone is so light for ninety five percent of it. It's not graphic. You're not taking the murder super seriously. And apart from like the menacing music playing over the brother, there's not really that much scary stuff. It's it's almost cartoonish. You know in the way the murder and all that is talked about. Yeah. But I also do agree. I'm not, I'm not trying to say you're wrong or anything like that because you're definitely right with dark, yep. deep stuff. Yeah. I, I only have one, one more note and it's just that the ending is perfect and it's charming and it's lovely and wonderful and all the things. And it's exactly the way I want this movie to end. And that's it. No. Yeah, I agree. And the last thing I think I'll add looking through my notes is there's, there's good irony for a little bit going with like, the ants not knowing that Johnny's a killer and with him not knowing that they're killers. Yeah. And they're each talking about hiding bodies in the basement 
but doing it out of the sight of the other. Like that whole sequence is just so good. That's a whole sequence that's really good. Um, they found the tone again when Cary Grant's not in it. Yeah, I agree. Have you gotten through your lines yet, or no? Do you want me to list, list off a few lines? Yeah, I mean, because I, like I don't have any more notes about the movie, so yeah, those are all my notes. We, I think, we both like it, love it. At, at the beginning, when they're at and like talking to the guy at the counter who has, who's hard of hearing, um, Cary Grant's saying, "I can't, I want to do this undercover." And he's like, "You're gonna have to speak up." He's like, "I want to do this undercover." He said, "Lover? Of course you love her." And I was like. <laughs> Yeah, that was the first line. I was like, "Oh, that's actually really funny." Let me, you know, I'm gonna enjoy this. Cary Grant tells his brother to go and haunt yourself a hotel. (laughs) (laughs) I want to use that in everyday life. Like he tells him to get out of here that way. So there was also a couple jokes. There was a lot of jokes. Like this guy looks like Boris Karloff or something. And it's just something I was reading. Apparently, Boris Karloff played that character in the play. Really? (laughs) So. So it's like an extra layer of, oh, that's funny. Yeah, uh, I think I said everything else except for one, which is where he accidentally calls Mr. Witherspoon Mr. Witherspoon Fork. And he yeah. says, spoon, and then he hands him a spoon. <laughs> yeah. The more I'm talking about it, the more I love it, because it's a mix of physical comedy and like verbal jokes. It's all just so good. I don't think, I can't think of anything that didn't, that didn't land for me. I just love the whole thing. Yeah, all right, here's the joy of this podcast, Robert. I'm going to go ahead and just change this. To, I love it. I was kind of on the border. I'm, I'm still going to be on the low side. I loved it. But yeah. yeah, I just I love talking about this movie with you. I, I immediately want to grab three people and watch this movie again. Yeah. it's again. It, it, if my only complaint is just there's a stretch in it that really seems out of place and a bit long, and I don't really care for most of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but almost all of it is necessary for the payoff. But yeah, I just, if, if that's my only complaint, I love this movie. Right, yeah. <laughs> And uh, release the Blu-ray, whoever, whatever company has this. Yeah, I, I guess I don't even know, but uh, but that's a that's been a good uh, release the Blu-ray cr- criterion, please. <laughs> yeah, criterion. Uh, so then I say we're both putting it. We're both saying this is a goat. Yeah, it has to be. Like it doesn't have that the same kind of influence as like except on the nice cats apparently, uh, like <laughs> Citizen Kane or Seven Samurai or something like that. But it's just so good, and it has one of the biggest actors of all time in it as the lead. Yeah. I um, think this this has to have a lot of influence that we just probably don't see a lot. Maybe. Uh, like, this has to have a lot of influence that just a lot of normal film people, well, not even film people, just normal people just quite can't see. Um, and that's just, you know, that's the hindsight of, because, like, you know, we haven't seen a lot before it, and we've seen plenty after it, and, you know, it's almost <laughs> right. like that watching Seven Samurai in 2021, like, there's nothing original here. But I still love it, and, and but you can see like, oh well, this was the first to do it. But you don't know it unless somebody says, or you do the research. This still felt original to me, even though I've seen lots of movies of like hijinks and Sue. Like it, it seems like crazy, stupid love, like the backyard scene. Yeah, um, like just a lot of misunderstandings, crazy stuff happening. But this still seemed like new and fresh to me, and that's I don't know. I think that's why I love it so much. Yeah, uh, yeah. This, this very, very new, very fresh. Yeah. I love it. The only thing I could compare it to is like Looney Tunes. So <laughs> yeah, that's a good comparison. Because I'm thinking of the, uh, the rabbit season, duck season, duck right, season. Right. Well, on to the next goat that we'll be talking about this, uh, potential goat, I should say, that we'll be talking about here this uh, this week. We'll be talking about Singing in the Rain. Uh, this is a 1952 movie. By the way, Arsenic and Old Lace also wasn't a, oh, I said Criterion Channel. Never mind. I did say it. <laughs> 
so this is available to stream on HBO Max if you have that. I think it's through one of those like TLC. So I don't know if those are subscriptions, but if you have HBO, you can check this out. Synopsis for this movie is a silent screen swashbuckler. Say that three times fast. Finds love while trying to adjust to the coming of sound. Uh, this has a significantly more legacy uh, yeah. to this movie on why this would be considered a goat. All right, let's do it. This is an 8.3 on IMDb. This is the 99th highest rated movie of all time, according to that. Again, no Metacritic score. And this has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. But again, this would have been you know, people revisiting it, critics officially submitting you know, way after the fact this movie came out. Uh, same with Arsenic and Old Lace. Uh, let's see. For Oscars, this was nominated for Best Supporting Actress with Gene Hagen. And this is also nominated for Best Score. Uh, the Writers Guild of America in 1953 gave this the Best Written American Musical Award for the year. 1989, this was one of the first 25 films selected for the National Film Registry. So in the initial, there was a bulk 25 films, and this was one of them. I think that's a pretty outstanding achievement. Yeah. Uh, in 2005, the British Film Institute included it in its 50 films to be seen by the age of 14. So not just Americans love this movie. Uh, in 2008, uh, Empire ranked this the number eight movie of all time. Uh, let's see. And AFI, of course, has a couple of awards here. So 100 Movies, 100 Laughs in the 1998 version. This was number no, 100 Years, 100 Movies. Sorry. 1998 version. This was number 10. In 100 Years, 100 Laughs. This was number 16. 100 Years, 100 Passions. Also 16. Uh, this one surprised me. 100 Years, 100 Heroes and Villains. Uh, Lena, La- Lena Lamont was given for villain. I would have thought that one of the leads would have been given for hero, but yeah, um, that kind of shocked me. Uh, she was nominated for that. Uh, let's see. 100 Years, 100 Songs. Singing in the Rain was number three. Make Them Laugh was number 49. And Good Morning was 72. Um, so three of the biggest hits here making that list. Uh, and then this one was weird. Uh, and I it, it, interesting to me. 100 Years, 100 Movie Quotes. Uh, the line is, what do they think I am? Dumb or something? Why well, I could make more money than Calvin Coolidge put together. <laughs> that <was> nominated <laughs> for that, which which is a great line. But like, I'm like that's, line. The, that's the line you go for. Uh, and this was also hundred year or the greatest movie musicals number one and hundred years hundred movies tenth anniversary edition number five. So moved up five spots. There's apparently a comic book adaptation of this movie, which really surprised me because uh, it's from Eastern Color Movie Love, number 14. came out in April 1952. I bet you Dicer has it. It's a Broadway adaptation of this uh, movie that ran from July 1985 to May 1986 for 367 performances. Uh, and a couple of references to pop culture. This is uh, it, PNC Park, which is where the Pirates play baseball, which was Gene Kelly's hometown. A lot of witches is in that. Pittsburgh. <laughs> Pittsburgh, yep. P- Pittsburgh. Uh, they they play the scene at the beginning during rain delays, which I thought was delightful. In 1983, th- there's a TV special called Paddington Goes to the Movie, where Paddington performs a special dance based on this movie. The title song is parodied in Spamalot in a break da- in the dance break to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. I like a break dance better. <laughs> Me too. I want to see those guys breakdancing. <laughs> and I haven't seen this movie, but I know you've seen uh, Brooklyn. It looks Brooklyn. like there's a, rec- there's a recreation of the lamppost swing in Brooklyn. Uh, um, and probably this movie is uh, largely inspires La La Land, as well do many other movies. But movie inspires. La La Land's derivative crap. Just kidding. <laughs> and the very last note, it should be noted. Of course, we had to talk about it sometime. This is Aaron Dicer's number one favorite movie of all time. 
So, of course, we have to talk about it on GOATS at some point. Robert, had you seen this before? Yeah, I saw it a year ago, a year or two ago. And, yeah. Cool. Uh, I had not seen it before, but I've been meaning to get around to it just at some point. And just, if you give me a modern movie or a classic to watch, I'm almost always going to pick a modern. And if you give me a musical versus a non-musical, I'm Mm -hmm. always almost going to pick a non. Even though I love musicals. But I'm more likely to watch an older musical than I am. There's some good quality old musical stuff back in the day so yeah robert waiting well let's we got to do our rating that's where we got to start <laughs> <laughs> yes i love this movie uh, again i think on the low side i loved it but like a, but like definitely higher than i was on our cynical own lace where do you stand mm. uh same but opposite i love it but low side of love it lower than our cynical lace oh okay that's fun because I, yeah. I do love it i, I did think yeah, yeah. it was great i'm just a little bit farther off you know i was kind of on the border of loved it I'm just a little bit farther off the border. I did mm-hmm. give this a four and a half stars. So, whereas I only gave Arts Nick and Old Lace a four, but a very, a very strong, firm four. All right, where do you want to start talking about the actual film? Do you want to start with talking about La La Land influences? Because we both love that movie. It was fun for me the first time I saw this to be like, holy crap, he took so much from this movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, well, so there's like stage design. Yeah. Um, like, I'm specifically thinking of the epilogue. Yeah, um, right. And the the planetarium scene is very similar to that scene where it's the two leads on set. Right, they're on the, the set. Time. That and like a lot of the specific dance moves from that mm. from that scene that you just mentioned um, are like the Lovely Night song, the Waste of Lovely Night. Oh, Waste of Lovely Night. The my only song lyrics that were coming to my head were Singing in the Rain, so <laughs> I couldn't think about it. <laughs> well, but, and, yeah. uh, even this even shares uh, like a very direct color palette. I mean, mm-hmm. La La Land and Singing in the Rain are very specific yellows. And purple is a big color in La La Land as well. There's definitely some purple here, but definitely yellow being a prominent color. Yeah, I just think it's so much fun to see the influences of one of my favorite movies, which became a favorite movie, a favorite movie of mine before I ever saw the movies that it was like referencing, such as Vertigo and, of course, Singing in the Rain. But yeah, it's a small point, but I just wanted to mention just how significant that is to me, at least. Yeah, I was going to bring up La La Land at some point. I was just going to do it to the end because overall, and it's not really talking about Singing in the Rain at this point, but my review on Letterboxd I gave for this is I said I that yeah. I said that Singing in the Rain ran so that La La Land could sprint because, you know, that expression is like walk mm. so they could run. But no, 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 let's not, let's not get this wrong. Singing in the Rain did not walk. It, right. it went for it. It ran. But I do think that La La Land is just incredible and in large part because of the influence of this and movies like this. So I would still not say that Singing in the Rain is the greatest movie musical of all time. I would still give that to La La Land. Actually, if you count it, I would give it to Whiplash, but I don't know if you count it since they don't sing. Mm, yeah, definitely. But, but but it depends on how you, you define that, but I would certainly give it to La La Land. But it's not to detract from this movie at all. And again, La La Land is what it is because Singing in the Rain was what it right, was. Right, exactly. Uh, or is what, is what it is. And so, uh, yeah. That's all I wanted to say about that because I wanted to try to focus as much on the movie itself. This has yeah. plenty of influence. It's no, it's no surprise. This is for sure going to be a goat for me. Uh, I would definitely add this to the Criterion Collection that we're assembling, um, if not just for its its influence on the rest of of film, but also because this is a delight and a charm. All right, so on to the B plot then. No, um, <laughs> I love. I don't remember when the when it was said. I, I do this all the time when I'm taking notes. I write down lines, but don't write down the context of the line. Um, but there's a point when they say, why well, it's just an empty stage talking about, I think it was that, that exact 
scene that we were talking about, the one where the two of them on, on set, yeah. she says it's an empty stage. and But it's about the possibility of cinema because Gene Kelly's character, I don't remember, what's his character's name? Don Lockwood. Yeah, that's right. Don Lockwood. Great name. Yeah, he, he wants to try the, the talking movies. Uh, he he volunteers to be the stuntman in those movies early on. Um, he's just lost in it. Like, <laughs> I love I love in the beginning when he's like embellishing the story of him and uh, Cosmo getting to Hollywood. He's like, yeah. he's talking about how we were getting calls from agents, but they're actually just standing outside in the rain and all that. Well, and I guess while you're here, that, that's a note. Like, th- when they show Lockwood and Cosmo is doing their show, that's by far my favorite part of the movie. I kind of want to just see more of that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they're they're charming, they're delightful. The very impressive choreography with the violin stuff. Oh, for sure. But even like the the just the straight up comedy stuff they were doing before. Like I had a smile on my face for ninety five percent of this movie. Yeah, because and those two are so great together. Yes, I was surprised. I really thought this was going to be Gene Kelly stealing the show, but no, it's the two of them. It, it's it, it's all three of our leads. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I just get so impressed. Like, I'm nowhere near <laughs> nowhere near this at all. Like, with the body control that these people have for all these different types of dances. The Make Him Laugh song where he, he's, like, spinning on the floor. And, man, he's, like, running up walls. And then leads to a funny part where he runs through the, <laughs> through the wall. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, what about the people who have to use that set? What if you just mess that up <laughs> for your number? But, yeah, there's just such impressive choreography in this. But back to my original point, just like I love, I, I love anything that uh, emphasizes the power of cinema. So like Inglorious Bastards or Inception or, or stuff, stuff like that for modern examples. And this just leans into it because obviously it takes place in Hollywood making movies when the talkies started. So I just love and appreciate that so much. Sure. Let's see. Uh, I wrote down two lines that I thought were really funny. I, th- I thought I was going to write down more because this movie started off really funny. I think I just got wrapped up in the movie and just didn't write them down in the moment. And then the moment passed uh, from the very beginning uh, that, uh, that, hey, cause do something. Call me a cab. OK, you're a cab. <laughs> <laughs> There's another line like that later on. He, yeah. So there is. And like, that's that's my kind of humor. It's yeah. so like, I, I just really love it. Uh, and the other one was, uh, I'd rather kiss a tarantula. Oh, you don't mean that. Oh, really? Get me a tarantula. <laughs> yes. I love that. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to mention those two lines. And uh, and we got, I mean, we can't not talk about the music. I mean, look, the choreography in this movie mm-hmm. is absolutely outstanding. I mean, I, I can see some really amazing stuff uh, in here. And like, all, all throughout, I don't have, we don't have time to talk about every little thing, but just an overall, like this, this is amazing choreography. And, um, and to me, especially the tap dancing, mm-hmm. I think is is the strongest point. Um, I don't know it's why, but I tap just shoes love, everywhere. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why, but I just I love tap dances. Like I like I like watching them. It's the weirdest thing. Like, yeah, because I don't, I don't know satisfying. why I love it so much. Maybe that's it. Because I love what it's like. Baby Driver, when things go to the beat. Yeah, like when you what you're seeing goes to the beat of the music you're hearing. It's just no, I agree with you. Tap dancing is awesome to watch. Yeah, but you know, we also we like we just can't not talk about the we can't not talk about the the music itself as well. I was mm-hmm. doing some reading, and it, I think that there was some original music for this, but I I do think that a lot of these were from like stage plays that they just oh. put in the movie. Could be complete. I, I was I was confused listening to it, but like to me, the three songs that I loved were Make Em Laugh, that was amazing, The uh, and Good Morning. I really loved those two, and of course, Singing in the Rain. Yeah, I was um, going to mention those exact three. 
Yeah, those were, and maybe it's because I'm, I'm pretty sure I've at least had heard references to those in the past. So there was also something connected to them, but either way, I thought they were just delightful and perfect. They were also the ones nominated for AFI, but um, yeah, but like, I didn't care for the beautiful girl song. It wasn't because it was like, icky. Oh, I was going to say it's outdated. So it's, it's slightly outdated, but there's only one line in that whole thing. You're over sweet 16. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, that was the thing where he he says she's sweet 16. And it's just like, but, uh, but like, I mean, for a song talking about beautiful girls, like Mm. surprisingly not doesn't hold up. Like it, it, it does for the most part. And it, doesn't feel necessarily disrespectful or degrading or anything like that. Uh, I just, I don't particularly care for the song. It's sung by somebody who's not important to the movie. Um, the only thing that that serves is to get us the intro to uh, the the female lead. And it's showing. Working in the studio. Yeah. It's also showing like, look, the talkies and the musicals are taken over. Yeah. But also not, the way that that's like choreographed with just women skimpily dressed, dancing around him too. Like the whole thing feels icky to me. But again, we've talked about that idea before on this podcast, and it doesn't detract sure. from the overall quality of the movie for me. Yeah, and I, you know, and I felt less icky about it than you did. But I just, I don't know, I just didn't like the song. Um, yeah, that's fair. And that, that's the other thing too is like, you know, when you have a musical, I have to love almost all of the songs, or at least like the ones that I don't care about. Like, can't not like really think about too often um, or they're, you know, like, you know, if you have a musical and like we've said three, there's probably what, six or seven songs total in here. I th- I can't even tell you any part of the rest of the songs. I thought they were completely forgettable. And I know there's one like on stage, that first meet that we were talking about, which is just charming, delightful. But the only thing I cared about that was the choreography, mm-hmm. but like, you know, with La La Land, like I can, the only song that I think is less than stellar is the, getting ready to go out song with Emma Stone and her roommates. I think every oh, other song is just like stellar. It's, it's fine. It's just not yeah. stellar. You know, it's not what a waste of a lovely night. No, I know. City of stars or the audition song or the epilogue or anything like that. Mm. Even the music based ones, like, you know, the planetarium and you're gonna make me watch La La Land tonight instead of, all I'm thinking about right now is when he, when Ryan Gosling is in the like eighties cover band. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anyway, um, let's just do. I, I let him. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we we had to talk about the music for a minute, and it's I don't know. I feel like at least half of the songs themselves were forgettable, but the choreography was not. Right. My next point. This is really obviously very subjective to me personally, but this just kind of makes me like think of my grandparents because like mm. <clears throat> I've watched plenty of movies with them, but this is the kind of movie that is right up their alley. You know, it's when they were young and it's the kind of movie that they love. My grandparents are very wholesome people and they like to sing along to musical, you know, classic musical stuff. So it just gives me like a warm feeling just watching this, this type of movie um, or this movie in particular, just because I don't know, my grandparents like this kind of movie and I like my grandparents. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a fun feeling to have. Sure. I also wrote down the Calvin Coolidge line. Um, <laughs> Also, to to fit into that, like the power of cinema thing, I forgot to mention that if you've seen one, then you've seen them all line. Like, mm. Don gets so offended at that line. And it's because he believes so strongly in the power of cinema and this so in uh, the power of story and, and what they mean and what he does as an actor. Uh, he yep. believes in it so much. And I, yeah, I just really, I love that. Except for, except for Westerns. Those are, you've seen them one, you've seen them all. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, mostly. You've seen one John Wayne movie. You've seen every John Wayne movie. Yeah. Here's the other uh, thing I wanted to add, unless you had, unless I'm cutting you off. No, I only have one more note. Yeah, the this is probably my last one too. Then by the the Good Morning song, by that point, I'm just like feeling it. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. It's just like sometimes I watch old movies. And I'm like, oh, that was good in the old movies sense. But I see like stuff that comes out now. I prefer that. By that point, I'm like, I am totally bought into what's going on. This movie, a hundred percent, has me. It feel it doesn't feel aged at all. Like it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm watching this old movie because I have to appreciate old cinema. It's like, no, I'm watching a movie because I love movies, and this just, I don't know. It just, I know it uh, influenced so much that came after it, but it felt good in its own right at that point. And I it just gives me that whole feeling about the whole film. Yeah, uh, I, I I hit that point a lot earlier than you did because uh, it was with, with Lock, Lockwood and Cosmos. Um, performances at the very beginning mm. uh, you know the stuff at the red carpet at the very beginning I'm like okay sure this is fine um, it's, it's set up it's it's, it's got to be here it's yeah it's got some quirky humor and whatnot yeah. you just got to get a sense of these characters but but then when the Lockwood and Cosmo start playing I'm like okay I'm here I'm entertained I'm happy I have a smile on my face and right. the smile just didn't leave for the longest time but yeah I, I think I think definitely by that good morning time it was it was definitely not so much like I didn't feel like I was watching an older movie anymore a lot of that is because I watched this on HBO Max and it's pristine mm-hmm. for being a 1940 something movie 52 52 okay like it's pristine for being an older movie it's it's just it had a very good uh, well job Uh, i think it was for the 60th anniversary they re-released it on blu-ray and had a like combo pack and uh and it re-released the dvd and so it was all like upscaled stuff and yeah i I just think it the only thing that i know is just it just nothing looks sharp in the movie but film cameras then didn't really do a good job at sharpness so yeah Um, but the the colors are bright and vivid the the sound is really well, really well done, and it needs to be for a movie like this. It's all about the sound. So yeah, but so definitely by the time that Good Morning song came on, I was definitely like into this. It's like I'm not watching this for goats. I'm not watching this like knowing I'm watching an older movie. I'm just watching this. Right. So. Yeah. And, one uh, negative that I thought of actually is that I think it overstays its welcome just a bit for me. Um, yeah. Like that the ending dance sequence or the one like that dance sequence at the very end, it goes on a long time and it's all like in his imagination because it ends with him being like, like La La Land. I know, but La La Land (laughs) is like seven minutes and that was like 15, 20. It felt like, yeah, no, I felt, I felt the same way. I felt once that they And it's not my favorite part of La La Land either. (laughs) I it's my favorite part of La La Land. Oh, okay. Besides, well, besides the waste of a lovely night. But I thought that with the Kathy character, when they decided to put dubs over the Lena Lamont character, I thought that was the point that I decided, like, okay, like the movie can end now. And then it just kind of lingered for a little bit. I'm like, mm, okay. Mm-hmm. I get they're trying to actually antagonize and cause some more conflict, but like this movie was never really focused on that. <laughs> So right. it just seems weird. It almost seems like they would have been like, okay, well, if we end it now, then people are going to wonder what happens to Lena afterwards. We need to we need to have this movie somehow reach the end to where Lena's still herself and still a bad guy, but she gets called out and this essentially ruins her career and we have a new the new emerging star. So 
Yeah. Um, so I agree. It, I think it overstayed its welcome just a little bit for me, but not enough that I'm willing to bump it down too much. Right. Uh, into the out of the loved it category or whatnot. I don't. I don't think this would make my top 100, but I had a good time. Same. Great. The, the last note is just I think this is the best use of color I've ever seen in a movie, and I've already talked about the colors. They're they're bright and vivid. They they help uh, the tone and the mood that the movie's going for, just to make me have a smile. And I I felt joy the entire time watching this movie. I think the colors are definitely a large part of that. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else other than the MCU. I can't think of anything. <laughs> Cinema. Scorsese <laughs> <laughs> says he loves it. No, I'm joking. Obviously, I'm joking about the MCU comment. No one could see my face except you. Yeah, yeah. yeah so um, I've, I've already said, obviously, this is a, uh, a goat for me. Obviously, this is uh, one I'm putting to our Criterion Collection. And uh, your thoughts? Um, I'm going to echo everything you said earlier. Definitely a goat. It's a great movie in its own right. It uh, influenced so much. It's very watchable. I wouldn't mind throwing it on again tonight, you know, just because it's just that good. Yeah, there's nothing in there that would make me be like, maybe this holds it back a little. You know, there's nothing like that. It's just great okay. through and through. Yeah, I, I, I could say the both, both of the, but I could say the same thing about either of these films that we said tonight. I could mm-hmm. easily see myself throwing on either one of them. Uh, I think this is the first time we've ever both agreed and been in the loved it category on a goats uh, episode. Yeah, I was thinking like this is a great episode for our goats segment because. We got two loved it for both of us. Um, uh-huh. I don't think we've had that before. Well, and we were also very clearly like not only the influence, but also yeah, these are amazing. Oh, yeah, so for right. sure that for sure they're goats. Not just we're both in the loved it category, right? But yeah, I think this is the first time we've both been in loved it for for the goats. That's uh, I'll make us up. I'll make us up a trophy. <laughs> awesome. And I'll, no, actually, I'll make a trophy and I'll mail it to whatever studios are behind each of these movies. Okay. Like, congratulations. You did <laughs> you it. Did. <laughs> two randos liked your movies. <laughs> two, mo- two randos liked your movies that are pretty much universally beloved. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, on next month's goat, we will be talking about two very, very different from these kind of movies. Uh, we'll be talking about the conversation and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. I'm looking uh, forward to little... this. <laughs> Me too. Uh, Cause I've not seen either of them. So, oh, you haven't. Nope. So, but before we move on, real quick, did uh, Robert did either of these upset your miracle on Thirty Fourth Street goat? So last night after I watched Singing in the Rain, I made it. Uh, the order of the top four was Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, Rope, Arsenic and Old Lace, and then Singing in the Rain. But man, through talking about Arsenic and Old Lace, I think it vaulted to the top. Okay. <laughs> so Arsenic's at the top, followed by Miracle, then Rope, and then Singing in the Rain. Man, I am really happy that you love this so much, especially since you kept on saying that uh, you you never heard of it. So yeah, I had zero expectations for it. It was like the most pleasant surprise. Yeah, um, this did not trump LA Confidential for me, and I think I'm going to have to reorder my list a little bit more. Uh, probably Arsenic and Old Lace would land just below Miracle on 34th Street for me, uh, and Singing in the Rain would be like just after Quiz Show. So like they're both. Like five and eight, I think. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'd still I'd still take uh LA Confidential Rope, Quiz Show, Seven Samurai, and Nightmare Before Christmas above them. See, with Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, like I loved it, obviously, but that's one that I'm only gonna put on at Christmas time. Rope I'm only gonna put on when I wanna think. But Arsenic and Old Lace, I feel like I can put that on anytime. That's fair. 
That's fair. Uh, good. I'm gl- I'm I'm really glad then. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So next month we'll talk about the Butch Cassidy and uh, the conversation. Should be hopefully a great week, uh, yes. as they always are. But got to do the B plot, Robert. Uh, I I actually put a question in there that you're like, I don't think I can answer this. And uh, and as I was editing, uh, talking with Alice last week, and we were talking about our favorite things that uh, kind of take place around where we're from. And so I just thought, let's. Let's do our favorite movies or TV shows that take place in your home state. And I gave you the freedom to pick however you picked home state. I picked Iowa, even though I've only lived in Iowa for uh, three and a half years now. I could have picked Indiana or really Illinois, but I decided to go with Iowa um, since that's where I reside. And that's where my home is. How do you want to do this? I was born in New York, lived in New York until I was 20, I think. I officially moved out once I finished college, which is after my 20th birthday. So I lived officially in New York for a long time. I live in Pennsylvania now. It's been a few years, but I prefer New York to Pennsylvania, and I feel like that's my home. So that gives me lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of options because of New York City. So yeah. I only had, I could only find not many. I don't think I could find any that weren't like city-based. So how many do you have? Because I have like 20 shows and tv or shows and movies i have five because i live in iowa (laughs) if you don't have field of dreams on there so i do have field of dreams on here um so that's one i'll just i'll just go ahead and go through mine and you can do all all the ones you want i do have field of dreams on here because when you talk about iowa it's impossible to not talk about field of dreams and actually i only live about 60 minutes south of the field of dreams like south uh west southeast i live relatively close and uh, they were going to have the White Sox and Yankees play in there. and But there's no way I could have got tickets. Uh, but yeah. I would have loved to go. And then COVID happened. They canceled it. Um, oh, man. And again, I probably couldn't afford it anyway. But uh, but I, don't, I haven't been there yet because it's one of those, like, I'm only 60, 60 minutes away from it. And I do travel north frequently um, for, for work. Uh, but it's, like, out in the middle of nowhere. And so, you know, with with kind of going back and forth and all that, it's uh, it's just difficult to... Like you have to intentionally go there, and I just mm-hmm. if there's an event there, I'd probably go. But if if there's not an event, I'm not going to go drive to a cornfield with a couple fences. So <laughs> right. that's fair. So Field of Dreams, uh, Doctor Sleep took place uh, quite right. a bit in mm-hmm. Iowa, which was, uh, and I'm a big fan of that movie. So I totally forgot that took place in Iowa, but a lot of it does. I'm trying to remember if it was the kind of the middle section or if it was the beginning. I, the Jacob Tremblay character is from Iowa. That's what it was. Oh. Well, so, the not so fun yeah. part. Yeah, the not so fun. More part. baseball. <laughs> more baseball. Uh, more baseball because the crazies, uh, <laughs> uh, which I love. The crazies. I really this something near and dear and special to my heart. I haven't seen it in forever, but I don't know. Maybe it's just the experience I had with it. I really love the the 2010 version with Timothy Oliphant. Also, maybe it's because I have a man crush on Timothy Oliphant. Mm. But uh, and the uh, of course we got to talk about Star Trek. Because uh, Star Trek Captain Kirk is from Iowa. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I'm gonna make my my official pick the 2009. So there's a fun story about Star Trek actually. Um, so Riverside, Iowa, is located as the home of Captain Kirk. I guess also since Star Trek, I could also include fanboys because they drive yeah. through Riverside to and get caught up with the Star Trek people and fight them. So Riverside, Iowa is the birthplace of Captain Kirk, but, and that's about 45 minutes South of me and I've never been there, but it's when Star Trek aired, it was literally just somewhere in Iowa and Riverside is like 
we're that somewhere yeah. and and nobody opposed them so <laughs> it's just riverside now <laughs> all right uh, um so riverside is what's claimed but it does say somewhere in iowa and uh and mind hunter a significant portion mm. of season two specifically takes place in iowa so that's the tv show one there uh and and like i had five there and i this other one i just haven't seen uh but frank would be mad if i didn't mention what's eating gilbert grape so oh that is really good so okay i just i know frank loves that movie and is trying to get cinema sins to, to, to acknowledge that movie uh i just haven't seen it but apparently it takes place in iowa see i didn't know what state specifically it took place in but it doesn't surprise me that it's iowa yeah um, that's, that's my list. I'm done. So I'm not going to sit and give explanations for all of these. I'm just going to list them off because I have so many. Here we go. First performed, Meyerowitz Stories, After Hours, Goodfellas, The Godfather, Black Swan, Rear Window, I Am Legend, The King of Comedy, The Professional, Miracle on 34th Street, 12 Angry Men, 61, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind, Inside Lewin Davis, John Wick, Uncut Gems, Soul, uh, and as for TV, Succession, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Girls, Everybody Hates Chris. 30 Rock, Master of None, and How I Met Your Mother, which does mention the Hudson Valley where I grew up. So I always oh. appreciate when movies and shows mention my area. Because <laughs> nice. I grew up, it's a two-hour train ride to New York City. So like I'm close enough that sometimes my area gets mentioned. Yeah, it's it's really nice when your home area gets mentioned. Like I grew up in the Chicago suburbs and like but on the Indiana side. And like pretty much my city's only claim to fame is there's a lake in our town and there's a property that's widely believed to be um, like Al Capone owned at one point. Oh. And it's just up the hill from the the lake. And there's a downhill curve that leads into the lake. And it is a known fact that there was a lot of cars that would be put in neutral and pushed down the hill and they would go into the lake. There's also like uh, the, also the Leopold and Loeb murders, <laughs> which are the basis for the rope. Um, they dumped his body in Highland, which is not far from where I grew up. <laughs> but I frequented Highland, and uh, so apparently there's just a lot of you know, I grew up to some degree, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and in the I went I went to school in a relatively small town that was about 40 minutes away from Decatur, which is where the informant takes place. Mm. So that was fun. Be like, oh, which actually the Chicago Bears started off in Decatur, and then moved up to Chicago because there's actually a market up there. Yeah. Nice. Uh, well, this is actually a good trans- transition for the spinoff then because um, my spinoff takes place partially in New York. Robert, I need yeah. to tell you about a movie that I love that mm-hmm. just doesn't get talked about enough. I love Molly's Game. Ah, Molly's Game's good. Uh, with all my heart. And of course, it's a Sorkin movie and I just really love it. But I watched this last night with my wife, partly because I've been watching the TV show Las Vegas and you know, so I'm in a poker mood and uh, and she's been wanting to watch it because she'd never seen it. And I just really loved the movie. I saw it when it came out in theaters. I loved it. I saw it probably two times since then. I've still loved it every time. I adore this movie. I think the pacing is so kinetic and the the acting is so terrific. I can't believe the only like nominations that this got were for screenplay. And it was typically just nominations, not wins. Which, like, fine. Sorkin's already got his, his wins. Huh? Right. <laughs> for for screenplay but like jessica chastain is stellar in this movie and Idris elba is giving a career best like i'm so mad that neither of them got nominated he has that one monologue in like the small room that's really great yeah yeah that that one's great and then the 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 conversation they have later 
where it's the why won't you give up the names in a deposition the deposition mm. and it's like it's just it's, just, it's like it's like it's you know it's just your name it's like it's all i have it's my name it's like now you read the crucible like, i <laughs> i love this movie i think it's definitely chastain and idris elba at their peak and kevin costner as well he's excellent in this movie i don't know i i feel like it should have gotten more awards and i feel like it should be talked about more if you have not seen it you really need to check it out and i love that it's a true story based off of partly off of toby Maguire being a jerk poker player <laughs> allegedly to allegedly Maguire. right yeah, yeah. player this, x this, right this movie is so good yeah this movie is so good that my wife watched it and she saw trial of chicago 7 with me and i was like could i interest you in watching a baseball movie written by this guy <laughs> and she's like maybe because we don't care about baseball Base- but i, I love, love that movie though I know. All right, what's your spinoff? What do you got? All right, so I know how you are uh, starving for a void on, in this section. I swear if you say the one that I think you're going to say. And I want, and I want to talk about a movie starring Nick Nolte, Tom Hardy. and No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. That's not, what I, that's not the one I was thinking of. What yeah, you... no, I just, it's just like, you know, if we all come, we've been talking about Arsenic and Old Lace, and we've been talking about Singing in the Rain. Well, now you have at least these two movies to watch, plus potentially the coming attractions, plus any that we might mention during the B-plot. It's just like, you know, every now and then saying like, hey, you shouldn't check out this movie. Yeah. It's kind of nice. What, what did you think I was going to say? Uh, you say what you're actually going to say, and I'll let you know. Uh, it's definitely not this, because... My wife and I like watching romantic movies, um, romantic dramas, comedies. You and I have talked about how you don't really love that, but I we love doing that a lot. And this this is a movie that takes place in New York, and I'm going to spoil this movie. So if if you don't want to hear it, fast forward however long. But this movie is called. It stars Robert Pattinson. Oh, thank God! I thought you were going to talk about Malcolm and Marie, and I'm like, I love Malcolm and Marie. No, no, no. <laughs> Okay, I got so scared. No, I wouldn't spoil a new movie like that. It, this it stars Robert Pattinson and Emily DeRaven um, from Lost and Once Upon a Time. It's a romantic drama. It takes place in New York City in 2001, even though the movie came out in 2010. The reason it takes place in 2001, and this infuriated me after I watched the movie, is that it's trying to talk about appreciating life and appreciating the people around you but at the end, Robert Pattinson, after he finds a will to live and all that through his relationship with Emily DeRaven, gets on, or no, he's in one of the Twin Towers on September 11th, 2011, or 2001. I was so angry because none of it warrants that. You need to take so much care if you're going to do that, that sort of movie. Like <laughs> United 93 does it really well. This yeah. movie I gave it one star on Letterboxd. Here's my review. I said, ooh, and I cannot stress this enough. I was, I was going to give it half a <laughs> star. <laughs> I love it. I was, I was going to give it half a star, but I bumped it up a full, uh, to a full star for the sheer audacity just to go for it. Because, man, I, I ranted and ranted and ranted to my wife after we finished this movie. She liked it. Um, and she has defensible reasons to like it, but I disagreed with all of her reasons. <laughs> like I, I could go on and on, but you or you just be like kind of sitting there in the corner with your hands folded, be like, "All right, how long is this going to go on?" So <laughs> I just want to say, stay away. It's offensively bad. I don't care how 
<laughs> it's not only that that's bad about it. There's so much other stuff in there that is awful. Um, I don't care how great Pattinson or DeRaven or Pierce Brosnan or any of them are. It's just a bad movie that you need to stay away from. Run away, kick it to the curb, throw it in a vatted chemicals. No, because then it will become the Joker and it'll be even worse. Throw it into the fire. <laughs> I don't know. Just destroy it. Kill it if you have to. <laughs> yes. Nice. And the name of this terrible movie again? It's Remember Me, but I remember wish me. I did not remember this movie. <laughs> okay, well, there you have it. Plenty of great movies to watch, and one that you should definitely stay away from. Very strongly not on my favorite movies in my home state. <laughs> nice. Maybe maybe that's what we'll do next time, is your least favorite movies in your home state. Yeah. I would definitely have to switch out of Iowa because there's been like six movies that take place in Iowa. I'm sure and all you could six of them come up with some Chicago movies. Oh yeah, definitely Illinois or Indiana for sure. That's a wrap. Quick reminder that Sip Hop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at StudioDNA.media. If you're interested in writing for SifPop.com, you want to get in contact with us and maybe send us a question to explore during the B plot, then you can email us at writersroom at SifPop.com. I'll make sure Robert gets your info to add you to the BEC stuff. Yeah, and send us a question to explore to the B plot. You can also get in contact with me via Twitter uh, or Letterboxd at Schweitcastle. And if you want to support the show, how about some costs that we pay for out of pocket, such as fees, equipments, and rentals, you can Venmo me at Dwight Castle. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps out the show more than you'll ever know. But uh, that's that's it for me. Robert, where can people go? Uh, and where, <laughs> where can people go give you tarantulas to to kiss on the internet? Uh, at underscore Rob's thoughts on Twitter and roberts-thoughts.com um, on your internet browser. Because I've, I'm planning to review most, if not all, of the movies I new movies I see in 2021, and I've been doing it so far. So, whoop, whoop. go read those. Awesome. Well, hey, it's been great having you on the show as always, and uh, great being we'll on, see you as usual. We'll see you back. We'll see you back here in about a month to chat some more goats. But in the meantime, at least I have to get back to the writers' room, and you'll have to edit Thursday night. <laughs> yes. Also, Paddington Three. <laughs>